Hello, friends, and welcome to the Everyday Truth Podcast with Kurt Skelly. We are here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. And we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. Right now, we're studying the book of Revelation in a series called The End is the Beginning. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, my friends. Appreciate you joining me again for Everyday Truths. We are in the last of the seven churches of Asia Minor, and unfortunately, the church about which we'll speak today and probably for the next couple of days is a church that bears a lot of relevance to the modern Western church. Uh, Many of the same problems, uh, much of the same pervading lukewarmness, and this should really serve as a lesson for us and as a timely rebuke because what was true 2,000 years ago to this lukewarm church is no less true today. And yet the promise of the Lord and the grace offered is no less true as well. So let's see if we can learn a couple things, but more important than just learning, uh, let's make sure that we take these things to heart and see what God has for us. So we're in Revelation chapter 3. I want you to look, if you can, at verse number 14, Revelation 3, verse 14, where the Bible says these words, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write. It's very interesting about the introduction to this final church is that all the other churches are described in a corporate sense the church of Philadelphia, the church of Sardis, the church of Thyatira, the church of Pergamos, the church at Ephesus. But did you see the subtlety there? Because the Bible says to the church of the Laodiceans, almost as if this is a letter to this church as a group of individuals. And indeed, that was the situation in Laodicea. The word Laodicea means the rights of the people the rights of the people. And if we've ever lived in a generation that celebrates its rights or promotes its rights any more than this generation, uh, I don't know what it is. Uh, because the, the right of the people really speaks to an underlying problem, and that is, it's all about me. It's all about what I deserve, what's coming to me, what's fair, I'll get what I... That's very dangerous, isn't it? Now, especially to our American sensibilities, because after all, the Bill of Rights and we have inalienable rights. And while that can be true politically, and while that's certainly true uh, as far as the foundation of our country, and I'm a staunch defender of our freedom and was so thrilled to see uh, that the Supreme Court recently did not uphold abortion choice as a constitutional right. I think that was amazing. But spiritually, we have to understand as believers, we give up our rights. Uh, We are bond slaves of the Lord. And when we serve God, we're not people that are serving God for what's in it for us or look at what I deserve, Uh, but we're, we're really looking to the cause more than we're looking to our individuality. But the church of the Laodiceans, that was their struggle. Matter of fact, it was just one of many struggles. Look at verse number 
14 again. So unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, now watch how Jesus introduces himself. These things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. So Jesus introduces himself in three ways. Number one, the amen. Number two, the faithful and true witness. And then number three, the beginning of the creation of God. So let's, let's see if we can understand something about the Lord in these three introductions. First of all, he's the amen. So the word amen means so be it. It's an affirmation of truth. And certainly that's what Jesus is. He is the amen. He is the answer of God for this sin-cursed world. Uh, he is the validation of every promise and precept of God. Uh, all uh, In Him are all the promises of God fulfilled. He is the, the capital yes to all that God has predicted and prophesied. And so Jesus introduces Himself to the Church of the Laodicea as unfailing truth, the Amen. But then the Bible says, the faithful and true witness. Is that the way it says it? Let me look at it again here. Yes, the faithful and true witness. Uh, so who is Jesus? He is the, the witness of all that God is to this world. You know, we, we could not have accurately known God without Jesus. That's why the Bible says he is the express image of his person. Hebrews chapter 1. He is the word, the communication of God to man. Uh, we could not understand God in all of his perfection, so God became man so that we could apprehend him. We could, we could see him. And so Jesus is the express image of God to man. He is the faithful and true witness. He is the exact representation of God. He is the perfect uh, representation of God, all God, all man, the faithful and true witness, real, true, authentic, righteous, the amen, the faithful and true witness. But then the Bible says something that I think to our modern language sensibilities is a little bit confusing, but it ought not to be confusing. So the third way by which Jesus introduced himself is when he said, he was the beginning of the creation of God. The beginning of the creation of God. So does that mean that in some way Jesus is not God because he's not eternal? After all, he had a beginning, right? And that's not what the Bible's teaching at all. The word beginning here uh, can mean first in time order. Uh, certainly can mean that, but that's not what it means here. It means first in preeminence. So it's not that he had a beginning it's that he is the beginning. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. The word was God. That's a reference to Jesus Christ, John 1 and verse 1. And so he is the beginning and the end. He is the alpha and omega. He is the author and finisher of our faith. So beginning means first in order, first in preeminence. He is the ruler. He is not the created. He is and not the first created. He is the creator. So what is Jesus saying to this church? Uh, I am the amen. I am the faithful and true witness. I am the ruler. 
I am the, the beginner, I am the author. In other words, you better listen to me. It's all about me, it's not all about you. Now, Jesus didn't say that pridefully, obviously. Jesus is the greatest example in his humanity of humility. You know, he came and became man and humbled himself uh, to the death of the cross, that whole great passage in Philippians chapter 2. So Jesus is showing the Laodiceans, listen, you need to get your eyes off of you, off of your perceived rights, and onto Jesus, because that's not only what's right, he deserves the preeminence and the glory, but it's also what's good for us. So watch now the rebuke that Jesus has for this church. Uh, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14 was the introduction. Now look at verse number 15, where he says, I know thy works. So that's a reiterated clause in all of the churches. Jesus, he knows the status. He knows what we've been doing. He knows the rationale behind our thinking and our doing. The Bible says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. So a lot of uh, messages perhaps you've heard down through the years on lukewarm Christianity, uh, apathy, a general feeling of ennui among believers today, Christian school America. I don't know how you've heard it, but certainly it's true. And what Jesus said is this church is the poster child for lukewarmness. So what does that mean to be lukewarm? And why would Jesus have used this illustration? In what way was this illustration poignant for the people of, of Laodicea? Well, Laodicea, the city of Laodicea, is located a little bit inward. It's not a coastal city. It's in a valley called the Lycus Valley, about 100 miles from Ephesus. Uh, in fact, the people of Laodicea and of Colossae, which was another city in that valley, their church probably was started because of the evangelistic crusade that took place in Ephesus with the Apostle Paul and Timothy on the third missionary journey. But whatever the case, uh, Laodicea shared that valley with two other cities. Colossae, the, the letter to, to the Colossians, that's Colossae, and then another city by the name of Hierapolis. So Hierapolis, Colossae, and Laodicea. Now here's the thing. Hierapolis, located just up the road from Laodicea, was known for its hot springs. And a good way to remember that is Hierapolis begins with the letter H, hot springs begins with the letter H. So Hierapolis known for hot water. And then Colossae was known for cold water. So that's easy to remember, right? Colossae sea, cold sea. Hierapolis, hot. Colossae, cold. Now here's the thing. Laodicea did not have a, a, a water source. Now they had water receptacles and water storage units, but they were always concerned about their water supply, which is one of the reasons why they compromised so readily with the enemy. Because if you were simply to surround uh, Laodicea and cut off all ingress and egress, you would effectively starve them out, uh, thirst them out really, because they had meager water supplies. So how did Laodicea get its water? Well, they got their water from Hierapolis, 
the hot water that would come on an aqueduct, a Roman aqueduct. And then they would also get their water from Colossae, uh, which was cold water. But listen, when you leave hot water out for a while, what, be, what happens to hot water is it, it cools down and becomes warm. What happens when you leave cold water outside of the refrigerator for a while? It becomes warm. So the one bad thing about Laodicea, it was a rich city. It was a, it was a, a business center. It was economically successful. I mean, Laodicea was a great place to live except for one prevailing problem, and that is lukewarm water. And they did whatever they could to heat up water or to try to get cold water. That was a delicacy to them. So if anybody would understand the illustration of hot water, cold water, lukewarm water, it would be Laodicea. So think about that. The only real reason a person would purposefully drink lukewarm water back in Bible days was as an expectorant. Okay, what that means is one would drink lukewarm water to induce vomiting. Now, now the illustration is coming full circle because what the Lord says to Laodicea is you're not like hot water. There's great uses for hot water, like good uh, old-fashioned cup of coffee or like a good hot bath, right? There's some good reasons for hot water and there's some great reasons for cold water, right? A nice refreshing drink or a brisk um, uh, dip in the water at the, uh, the, the peak of the, the heat of the day. But uh, there's really not much use for lukewarm water other than to induce vomiting. And what the Lord said is, you're like that water that you know so well, Laodicea. Uh, you make me sick. Wow, what a statement for the Lord to make. You don't have the profit of hot water, you don't have the benefit of cold water. I wish you were. I wish you were hot or cold. I don't think hot or cold here refers to really strong Christians and cold refers to really weak Christians. I think what the illustration is, is I wish you were productive. I wish you were, were, were refreshing. I wish, there were, I wish there were a use for you. But because of your pride and self-centeredness, because of your focus on self, you make me sick. What's lukewarm Christianity? Lukewarm Christianity is really a Christianity that is unusable to God because they're self-reliant. And self-reliance is just pride. I don't need God, I have me. I don't need God, I have my riches. I don't need God, I have my resources. I don't need God, I have a good job. I don't need God. And that's exactly what the people of Laodicea were saying. Now, does that mean that they had never received biblical truth? Well, of course not. There was a church there. Somebody got saved down the line somewhere. Uh, somebody at some point was on fire for the Lord. They were hot and cold at one point. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Laodiceans were instructed to read the letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians. So you could even call the book to the Colossians the, the Laodicean letter. And they probably read the letter to the church at Ephesus and other of the letters that were intended to be encyclical to make their rounds from church to church. So it's not that this church had never received the Bible or had never been taught or never had good preaching. They had all of that, but they had just grown to a place of apathy 
where they just said, hey, it's more about us than the Lord. It's more, we don't really need the Lord. We have what we need. It's a content church doing well economically, but wow, really tanking spiritually. So uh, I want to talk about this church, lukewarmness. What, what does lukewarmness look like? What were some of the things that were stealing their attention from the things of God? Things that perhaps we should look at as a blessing that were actually a curse to them? We'll talk about all of that next episode. So thanks for tuning in. We're going to come right back here. Uh, let me see, verse number 17 uh, I want you to join us. Uh, we'll, we'll learn a little bit more. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Hope you have a great day in the Lord. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.